I'm Victoria Doherty, and welcome to the cold. Cold is the way revenge is best served, the way a war was fought, and the way a story should be told. And for our intents and purposes here, it is also the Storytellers Church, in part because I usually record these on a Sunday, but also because we really treat story as a homily here. A homily in Catholic parlance is really a sermon. And, um, you know, we really pick apart what story means. We talk about it in terms of family lore, um, per, you know, personal essays and nonfiction and also fiction. Um, I'm a historical thriller writer. I also write historical fantasy. And my family lore has had a tremendous impact on my fiction. In fact, I don't think I would be a fiction writer if I hadn't grown up listening to these just incredible stories at my dinner table, which were tossed off um, like, you know, talking about the traffic, for God's sake. Um, you know, my, my, my family are, I have two generations of political refugees and immigrants. My grandparents, my mother's parents escaped uh, shortly after World War II, after the communists took over. And, you know, theirs was certainly a harrowing story. And they left their children behind thinking that they could, in fact, secure them through the Red Cross, which was what people were doing. But because my grandparents had a checkered political past, at least according to the communists, um, the, the Czech government held my mother and her sisters hostage for 20 years. And in 1967, my mother escaped from communist Czechoslovakia and her two sisters followed. Um, they left just, you know, a year later, maybe not even quite a year during the Prague Spring, in this time when there were three days when the borders were open and people were free to leave before the communists clamped down again. So, you know, and, and believe me, that is just the tip of the iceberg. And so as the, um, as American Independence Day is coming in a couple of days and we'll all be celebrating 4th of July, at least um, here in America, uh, I, I wanted to talk a little bit about um, the family lore that um, around, you know, around, it, not just, you know, my grandparents coming here, but, you know, their friends and, and, and some of these stories that I heard and just how important to them were the principles of this country and why, um, you know, even when we stumble, and we certainly have been stumbling, it seems a great deal lately, I still love this country with tremendous passion because I love the principles that it stands for, even if I don't always love the way the very human citizens of this country um, behave and, and, it, and sometimes interpret or perhaps misinterpret um, those principles. So I want to start with a little bit of a story. Now this is a fun story and I, 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 I really do love to incorporate 
as many elements of these true stories into my um, Cold War historical thrillers as possible without it seeming jarring, you know, because a lot of times when you, when you add something to, um, you know, a, a purely fictional account that, you know, you heard and that is a true story, at least as far as you know, you know, that was told in my case to me by my grandparents, you know, it, 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 it doesn't always fit in. It really takes a lot of massaging to make a true story fit into a fictional narrative, even, even when um, it is absolutely on theme with what you're writing. There's just something about it that, um, I, that a reader senses. You know, I mean, it, almost every time a reader has said to me, you know, this part of the story didn't ring true. It was actually a true story that had been told to me by my grandparents or my aunt or something like that. And, um, I, you know, I always found that curious, but it, it just makes sense because I think the truth of the story is what what stands out somehow. And, um, and then to, of course, someone who believes they're reading this as a fiction, it, it, it might stand out as like, you know, not fitting in, not being true. But... Um, Anyway, I, I want to talk a little bit about uh, some of the harrowing, harrowing ways, excuse me, in which um, people I I knew growing up came to this country. Um, my grandparents, for instance, well, they had these close friends, Sonia and Yeji, who were very glamorous, and they also hijacked a plane to escape communist Czechoslovakia. Now, Sonia, well, Sonia said her hand was shaking so badly that she, you know, she couldn't have hit a target had she tried. And the funny part is that she probably wouldn't have even tried because she'd never held a gun before that moment, let alone shot one. In fact, until that very day, she'd been, you know, the pampered wife of a diplomat. And to her relief, the other passengers just sat there, you know, bewilders, bewildered, excuse me, but not, not necessarily upset by the turn of events. I mean, after all, they were getting a free ride to a free country, and that was probably weighing more heavily on their minds than the pretty woman with the trembling fingers and the fancy handbag. Sonia and Yeti's defection, you know, had forced every person on that flight to make a decision right then and there as to whether they would go to a new country, you know, leaving their families and their language and their culture behind or stay with what they knew, you know, go back actually to what they knew because they were in a, uh, they were not in Czechoslovakia when they hijacked the plane. It was just, you know, at a stop. And everyone on that plane had the choice to go to the new country or go back to their old. Now, people often underestimate the kind of determination it takes to give up your homeland. To leave behind a sense of belonging that only comes from being born and raised in a specific place. I mean, think about it. It's often hard enough just to move outside of your hometown or outside of your state. And to know that in many cases, returning will never be possible, either for political or 
perhaps financial reasons. I mean, think about that. Never. Think about what that sense of, of freedom of just being able to speak your mind and, and do what you will and not be afraid that your government is going to come crashing down on you for it. What that means to people that they're actually willing to do that. a certain kind of person. It's a certain kind of immigrant, you know, and it's no wonder that those immigrants often make such valued employees and, well, are better citizens than their native-born counterparts in many cases. I mean, my grandfather had been a famous athlete in Czechoslovakia. In, he played in two Olympic games as a hockey player for the Czech national team and I think at that time was the youngest player to ever play in the Olympics. But here was this guy who'd, who'd been the toast of the town and there was no factory job too good for him in the U.S. and there was no floor he wouldn't stoop to watch, wash. Like Sonia and Yuzi, my grandparents and my mom, they had risked their lives to come here. And they feel a tremendous sense of debt to their adopted homeland. When President John F. Kennedy had asked them what they could do for their country, they responded. And, you know, in some cases, they gave generously to veteran organizations, even when they had little extra, or they, you know, I remember my grandmother sending countless telegrams, either of support or criticism to various sitting politicians, letting them know how she feels, and telling me, as she did it, she was like, you don't understand what a privilege this is. My mom even forced my brother, yes, forced, she forced him to join um, Army ROTC in college. Now, being a girl, I wasn't encouraged to join the military. My parents were old-fashioned that way. But I was routinely harassed about my civic participation, particularly about my grand, particularly from my grandparents, excuse me. Um, I mean, I don't think I've ever missed an election cycle, no matter how hungover I felt, especially as a young person. I mean, I even cast absentee ballots when I lived abroad in this sort of semi-permanent hungover state. And I still reflexively cry when I hear the Star Spangled Banner. I mean, I can't help myself. That is the power of family lore. That is the power of story. I never risked my life for this country. I've really only benefited from being here, and yet, because of the stories that I heard when I hear the Star Spangled Banner, uh, my lip trembles, and my eyes brim with tears, and I think about these things every 4th of July. You know, how my parents' and grandparents' immigrant status has affected my life, and whether I'm sufficiently passing on the values I was taught to my own children. As you can imagine, the 4th of July was a pretty big holiday for my family. Now, it wasn't bigger than Christmas, but it was definitely paid more attention than our birthdays. 
I mean, it was the only time my parents would ever even attempt to barbecue. They really hated barbecue. And we even ate off of red, white, and blue paper plates. And then my grandparents would come and they'd, you know, take me and we'd sit in traffic for hours just to watch some distant fireworks display that I'm sure they had no interest in. Even whatever bicycle I rode when I was growing up was always required to have some sort of patriotic flair. I mean, I remember this bicentennial-themed spectacle, complete with a banana seat um, and, and these long plastic red, white, and blue streamers that looked like they'd been shot out of my handlebars. And I promise you that even in the late 70s, this was extremely uncool. But I knew complaining about it was useless, and I kind of look back fondly now on that monstrosity of a bike. I mean, it was so damned earnest, and earnest patriotism has gone out of fashion. But I'm trying to bring it back in my own way. I mean, at our house, we don't really barbecue. I mean, my husband hates barbecue far more than my, my parents ever did. But we make these fancy schmancy cheeseburgers on our gas stove, complete with homemade french fries. And when our kids were little, we would put them on the roof of our minivan to watch the local fireworks display. Um, since we live out in the country, we were spared the bumper-to-bumper -bumper traffic. <laughs> and now that they're old enough, you know, I mean, two of them are in college, you know, we continue to have these, these conversations with them about what good citizenship means and how important it is to think through the political beliefs they're forming and never be a slave to them. I mean, we don't tell them how we vote and it drives them crazy. But we think it's important that they form their own opinions and not reflexively embrace or rebel against ours. We've earned ours through trial and error and experience, you know, and they'll have to do the same. And I also think that when we do come to our own conclusions, that we take our civic responsibilities much more seriously and we think through them and we are also far more able to change our minds if new information comes to light and we realize we've been wrong. Now, what we have told our kids also is how important it is to be able to speak freely because that is part of being able to think through something. That's what enables our being able to make our own decisions. And we must do so even if freedom is a burden. Because being born in such a highly functioning democracy, even in this day and age, even post-COVID, even with everything that seems to be going on in the world, it is still like being born on third base. But it's yours to blow. And you don't get a home run for just showing up. As a good citizen, you have to hold up your end of the bargain and behave with courage, dignity, and respect for others. You must actively contribute. Or as our friend, General David Bellin from the US Marine Corps would say, you either leave a legacy or a residue. And I'm doing my damnedest to make sure that my children embrace that ethos and that hopefully my fiction 
and my nonfiction reflects that ethos and that it helps people think through their own ideas and perhaps consider some of mine. So that is what I wanted to talk about today. Today, as we head into the next couple of days of debauchery and 4th of July madness and setting off fireworks, going to see fireworks, barbecuing and all of that wonderful stuff, embracing our friends, hopefully thinking hard about what we've built and what we need to rebuild and what we need to keep and what we want to impart through our stories. So I thank you and I wish you just the absolute best. And as always, if you're enjoying this podcast, please give us a follow, give us a starred review and tell your friends about it. Um, Share your listening experience as much as possible. Um, I will certainly have the usual links in the show notes, the ones to um, my my Cold War historical thrillers, um, etc. And um, stay cold, my friends. Stay very, very cold. Mm -hmm.